This is Fordham Conversations. Good morning, I'm Robin Shannon. One of the most widely spoken languages in the West African nation of Ghana is called Chui. Beginning this summer, Fordham will be the only university in New York City to teach this language. Here to talk about this new endeavor is Professor Mark Nason, who chairs Fordham's Department of African and African American Studies. I'm also joined in the studio by student leader Kojo Ampa. He's founder and leader of the African Cultural Exchange student group here at Fordham. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Mm -hmm. Glad to be here. Now, I'd like to start uh, with Professor Nason. Why did Fordham decide to teach this language now? For the last three years, we have been doing research on African immigration to the Bronx. And one of the things we've uncovered is that the Bronx has not only more African immigrants than any borough of New York City, but more African immigrants than any city in the United States. And of that population of African immigrants, the largest group are people who come from Ghana. And in the course of doing this research, we had an opportunity to go into Ghanaian churches, into businesses, into stores. And what we discovered was that the language of choice in all of those places was Chui rather than English, even though every person we met with could speak English. And so it suddenly came to me that it would be very important for Fordham to recognize this language by offering a course, but also since we have many students who are gonna be teachers and social workers and people who work for city government and are gonna have contact with this Ghanaian community, it would be very valuable for them to know the language. Now, can we back up a bit? You said we as in research. Now, um, who is the we in this research and did you spearhead uh, the idea to have Twee here at Fordham? Uh, the research project I direct is called the Bronx African American History Project. It's been in existence for about eight years, and it basically collects the stories of people of African descent in the Bronx. In the beginning, the project was almost exclusively focused on African Americans whose families originally were from the South and West Indians whose family were originally from the Caribbean. But we found that more and more people were moving to the Bronx directly from Africa. So about three years ago, we launched an African immigration initiative within this research project. And as the director of the project, um, I, working with my colleagues, Dr. Jane Edward and Dr. Benjamin Hayford, we quickly realized that the, this Ghanaian community was central to not only what we were doing, but to the, the cultural life of the borough. So um, I guess you could say the three of us thought up the idea together. Now, Mr. Appa, you are from Ghana? Yes, I'm from Ghana. Born and raised? Born and raised in Cape Coast, Ghana. And how did you get to the Bronx? Yeah, I got to the Bronx about six years ago. I came on a program and I decided to stay on to pursue some education. Did either of you find that some of the people that you knew because you were doing the research and because you have the history were intertwined? Abs well, what Did you happened know the same was people? when uh, Kojo approached me about the African Cultural Exchange Group, it became clear to me that he knew an enormous number of very interesting people in the Bronx. So we had funds. We are working on a grant from the Carnegie Corporation of New York to do this research on African immigration. And we had funds to hire a student research assistant. So I hired uh, Mr. Ampa as a research assistant primarily to help set up oral history interviews. And some of these interviews have been amazing. One of them was with a man named Conte Henney, 
who is one of the leading hip life artists in Ghana who lives in the Bronx. To this Friday, we're interviewing a famous Ghanaian DJ. So uh, Kojo has a lot of contacts, and he's been invaluable for bringing people in to tell their stories. So getting back to the Chui language, how is this language going to be utilized? First of all, the African community here in the Bronx is the fastest growing one. It gives us the nearest confidence that finally we can call here our home. Who will be learning the Chui language and who will be sharing the Chui language? First of all, it's open to all the students and uh, outsiders. And uh, interestingly, there's this group in uh, Queens. There's an African-American group who is trying to live pure Akan traditional lifestyle. So what does that mean, a pure African pure, lifestyle? Pure is like uh, they're trying to live out of the Western culture. They dress the Ghanaian way. They name their kids with Ghanaian names. And this group is interested in uh, coming to study tree. And they, and they want to embrace that they ancestry. Want to yeah. And Professor Nate, you wanted to add something? Well, the one thing is, let's say you want to be a teacher in the Bronx or you want to be a public health physician, uh, you want to be a social worker. It's enormously advantageous if you know even a little bit of Chui if you're going to be interacting with the Ghanaian community because even if people can speak English, it is a sign of respect to to, to speak Chui a sign that you are making the effort to understand their cultural traditions. And you mentioned a few of the occupations that this language will be uh, utilized in. What are some others? Um, Another would be if, let's say, you're a minister uh, or a priest. Uh, If you're a a religious or or an imam, if you're a religious leader in the Bronx, you are going to increasingly going to be interacting with immigrants from Africa. So the more you know about African languages and traditions, the better you can serve, you know, your congregation. And Professor Nason, I would think that um, since you said earlier that there is a growing population of West Africans coming to the Bronx, that there would be an economic side to this, too. Businesses opening up, I would think. Yeah. Well, let's say, you know, uh, you are a import exporter or somebody who provides goods to grocery stores. They're probably you know, 40 or 50 Ghanaian-owned grocery stores in the Bronx, and that's probably a conservative estimate. Uh, You know, if somebody is going to be, you know, providing uh, resources to those stores, again, any any language you know which people speak is going to be, you know, an advantage to you. Professor Nason, who's going to be teaching the class or classes? Uh, Okay. We have Dr. Benjamin Hayford, who is a professor at Southwest Connecticut State College. And he is the greatest ambassador for Ghanaian culture that you would ever met. When he gives a speech, everybody who listens wants to get on the plane and go to Ghana right away. He is- What's inspiring about him? He bubbles with enthusiasm, with love for the culture, with knowledge of it, and with the generosity to share. He's filled with joy and, and knowledge. I mean, and, and, and so when I th- said, man, if I could get Hayford in the classroom, you know, it wouldn't be just the language. It would be the culture, the people. This is Fordham Conversations on WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, and I'll be right back to continue my discussion about the West African language, Chui, a new course being taught at Fordham.
WFUV invites you to strike a chord for affordable housing. The recession has affected people in different ways. Some have had to choose between paying for food or rent. Others have had to leave their homes altogether. In Fairfield, Connecticut, Operation Hope offers supportive affordable housing and other services to those in need. The group can use volunteers in carpentry, landscaping, painting, and other work. To find out more about how you can get involved with Operation Hope and similar organizations, visit the Strike Accord webpage at WFUV.org. Now, Mr. Appleton, what is the historical origin and development of Chui? It is the most popular language in Ghana. It is a national language. English happens to be the language that is, you know, regularly spoken at the parliament. But when you get out of the parliament, when you get out of corporate places, it's all Chui. One of the things that may contribute to this is that the Akan cultural influence is tremendously important in the island of Jamaica. That is where a great many Akan people settled. And a lot of the Jamaican cultural traditions go directly back to, to, you know, to Ghana. Just like uh, in Cuba, a lot of the traditions are Yoruba from Nigeria. So there's an Akan, and the Bronx, the largest group of Caribbeans is from Jamaica. So there's a natural affinity between Ghanaians and Jamaicans because of the Akan, you know, cultural connection. Now, as you said earlier, I read that the Bronx has one of the highest concentration of African immigrants uh, in the U.S. and a large percentage of them from Ghana. So um, first I will ask Mr. Ampa, why do you think West African people are drawn specifically to the Bronx? Well, uh, this is a very interesting question. And uh, in a way, during the 40s, 50s, all the West African immigrants who came to America preferred to stay in Harlem. Now, the immigrants who come to the Bronx, they come here to settle. They come to live. We come here to find homes. And uh, Bronx provides us that home. And, and since they're economic migrants, the Bronx is by far the most affordable of boroughs. Remember, Harlem is being gentrified. Rents are going up. To buy an apartment in Harlem for a recent immigrant is, is inconceivable. So the Bronx people are... And, and, the, many Africans are moving from Harlem to the Bronx because they're being pushed out by the rising rent levels. Plus, the North Bronx has a great many private homes that are, are affordable in ways that are, would not be affordable in Brooklyn or Queens. Yeah, so that is another one of my questions. What kind of atmosphere here is conducive to them moving? I understand economically, but what kind of cultural essence does Even the Bronx most have? most important most important even than the economic father is that uh, the Bronx kind of naturally has a resemblance to Accra. How? When you're walking down the streets here in Fordham Road, the kind of ease that you find yourself in, the energy is very relaxing and it's not like Manhattan or anything. It's very relaxing. Yeah, because Manhattan, there is this buzz going on yeah, there. Yeah, and people selling their wares along the street side. This is how Accra is like. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when you take a walk along Fordham Road, you don't actually feel like you are outside Ghana. You just feel very easy. This easy feeling that uh, people from the Caribbean call Irie. Irie. The Irie feeling, like it's easy, it's natural, it's smooth sailing and it's very comfortable. And you meet Ghanaians, you meet Africans, you meet them <laughs> all over the place. So it doesn't actually feel like you are out of Ghana. So you get the bo best of both worlds. You get definitely. Mm -hmm. 
So will this growing U.S. African immigrant community have national representation on issues of economic development uh, now that more are coming here? Professor I think Nason? we are at the tip of the iceberg in terms of what this African immigrant community is going to bring in terms of its economic influence, its cultural influence, its musical influence. Let me just give you an example. We There are incredible Ghanaian DJs and uh, MCs and singers who are in the Bronx now performing largely for audiences in Ghana and Africa, but producing incredible music. It's just a matter of time before the mainstream music industry in New York City uh, discovers this and starts incorporating these talented artists into the, the music being made, turned into popular music. Uh, the person we're interviewing Friday, uh, DJ E. Love, now is apparently branching way beyond the Ghanaian community. And that, that's just the beginning. They're going to be Ghanaian businesses, which go national. Uh, there is going to be Ghanaian churches, because there's a huge Ghanaian evangelical church presence in the Bronx. And these churches are communities where families can have their, they bring their children and feel protected from the streets. We interviewed a minister who runs this church. It's like the church is like a big family. And in a place like the Bronx, where the public schools are not orf orphan, not the best, and where people are afraid that their children, if they're out in the street, are going to get drawn into drugs or violence, having a church with that kind of, you know, holistic Community. appeal is, is very powerful. So I think you're going to see Ghanaian religious leaders who become, you know, national figures. Um, and, um, and even to add to that, there is this Ghanaian boxer. Boxer? Boxer. boxer. Uh -huh. His name is Joshua Cloti. Joshua Claude is a Ghanaian who lives in the Bronx. And uh, he's fighting uh, Pacquiao, Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao, who's considered the, the best. Match. Yeah, the best pound for pound fighter in the world. And the, and the person fighting him next is a Ghanaian gentleman who lives in the Bronx. So, this is some of the influence that uh, this uh, new Im Ghanaian immigrants and African immigrants are creating in, uh, in the yeah. Bronx. Okay, and let me give you another example. One, the Ghanaian students are the valedictorians of the Bronx high schools. This is a community that puts a tremendous emphasis in education. We interviewed a young man who came here from Ghana four years ago and just got a Jock Kent Cook Fellowship to go to medical school. He went from Bronx Community College to Cornell University and now has a full scholarship to medical school. One of my former students, Karen Brifu, went directly from Fordham to the Federal Reserve Bank in New York City. Uh, so you're going to see the, the, the young people in this community are going to make their mark in professions while their parents are making a mark in business, religion, music, and the like. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. I'll be right back to continue my discussion with Fordham's Mark Nason and Kojo Ampa about the West African language tweet and a new course being taught at Fordham University. Every day, millions of people hop in cars or board trains and buses to get to work. But still, not every commute is the same, and neither is every commuter. 
Hi, I'm George Boldarki. Coming up on this morning's Cityscape, we'll meet some ordinary people with not-so-ordinary commutes, including a hospital clown from Brooklyn who rides the subway to work in full costume, complete with a painted-on red nose. That's Cityscape, this morning at 7.30, right here on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. Now, would you say um, most Ghanaians? Most Ghanaians. Most Ghanaians? come to the States and stay to the, in the States, or do they take some of their education back to Ghana? Well, a uh, uh, couple of them stay, a couple of them go back to Ghana. But mostly, if you even choose to go back to Ghana, you will still always have a connection with the bronze. Because the bronze is actually very popular in Ghana. People don't know about Manhattan in Ghana. They know about the bronze. See, this is something that I learned only in the last year that everybody in Ghana knows the Bronx. Everybody knows somebody who's moved here. But the other thing you have to understand is that every African immigrant sends back money and takes care of their family in Africa or else they are ostracized. Yeah. I mean, th this is the big joke. When I sit with a group of Africans, they could be professors, they could be cab drivers, is talk about all the phone calls from relatives. They all build houses back in their hometown. Uh, so they're here, but they're also still providing yeah, for some economy back at home. Absolutely, and people are moving back and forth. Uh, this is tr transnationalism to the nth degree. And... Uh, it's very, it's very exciting because I think Ghana benefits from the remittances and the United States benefits by having these incredibly talented, motivated people. I mean, these are people who come in, work two or three jobs. The men, you know, the men, you know, who may be highly educated will be driving cabs. The women work in nursing homes and their children excel in school and go into the professions. So this is like a New York dream, I guess you would say, the American dream. Yeah. <laughs> and, and in the process, they rebuild the Bronx because these are people, they, they create, they don't destroy. They come to a neighborhood, they open stores, they open churches, they open mosques. Their kids are respectful in school so that teachers have kids who will listen to them, which then influences the other kids who might be more, you know, disruptive. So they, in, in African immigrants are part of the great Bronx success story of the last 15 years. So, so speaking about the, the personal experience, Mr. Ampa, do you have family at home and you send stuff back home and are <laughs> all your family here in the Bronx? I have family at home mm -hmm. and uh, I do send money on a regular basis. And Brothers and sisters here in the Bronx? No. No? No. no. Are yeah. you the only one in your family here? Yes, or? I'm oh. the only one in my family here. You go back home I go sometimes back home, and visit? Yeah, very often. Yeah. I, I visit them a lot. And uh, the tennis, it's, it's a must-do. You don't have a choice. You know, it is, it's, it's but just But it says something it. about the family unit, I would think. Yeah, it's, it's That everybody's it. helping the family unit no yeah, matter what. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's born out of the huge respect. And it's just natural that you have to provide to your people back home. Now, going back to the Chui language, are there some common phrases in the Chui language? Like we say, what's up? Is yeah, the, there, could the, you... the, the most popular one, the most common one is etisane. What does that mean? Etisane means how are you? Okay. Etisane? That's it. Etisane. It's like E-T-E-S-E-N. My pronouns E-T-E-S-E-I-N. Etisane. Now, now, one of um, Kojo's friends, Mike, says... 
you go into the subway and you think somebody looks Ghanaian, but in the United, but they could be from Jamaica, they could be from Sudan. So what you do is say at the same, and that's where you, uh, if if you the, a person is not Ghanaian, they they probably don't know what you're saying. And if they say yes, then you, they start. Then, to, yeah, okay, you're one of me. You're yeah, you're one yeah, of us. Right, and in New York, that's important because. Uh, there are people from so many different parts of the world, and for any immigrant group to, to get a foothold, they have to have some common culture. People don't just, this is not a melting pot. That's not how it works, a melting pot for individuals. Communities gradually incorporate themselves into the social order, but they do so, you know, they, they need each other's help. So, Edison is actually the most common one, and uh, you see someone who just asks you, Edison. And you say, Eye. Etese would mean, how are you? How, how are you? And Eye means, I'm fine. Eye? Eye. Eye. Yeah. A-Y-E? E-Y-E. E-Y-E. Eye. But Eye, yeah. Eye. Etese? Eye. Okay. So now I can walk down the street and say, Etese, and somebody will think I'm from Ghana. Now, Mr. Ampa, tell me about how the African Cultural Exchange came to be. You're the founder, correct? How did you develop that? Yes, in a way, when I uh, first got here at Fordham, I the tendency to feel isolated, uh, isolated is very high, and uh, I started meeting a couple of Africans. So I started telling them, "What about if you can come together and start a group that will talk about Africa?" What year was this? This is just uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Last year, so I started collecting signatures, and uh, it got more exciting when I approached uh, Dr. Nason and uh, he said, oh, no, he's going to support us. And Professor Nason, you decided to get involved. Why? Well, I think it would be wonderful, given the research we're doing in the community, to have an African student group at Fordham. You had started the research before the, research, the group? Yeah, or? yeah the, the research had been going on for about three years, and this was about eight months ago. So the student group could begin to do things like hold, you know, cultural festivals and lectures, uh, which would interest the community and uh, make Fordham a center for African cultural and intellectual discourse. So you have this event coming up in March, correct? Yes, we have the Africa Week tradition coming up, and uh, it's going to be a full week event starting on the 20th of March. So and we'll be hearing a lot of the Chui language. We'll be hearing Chui. But, but some of the other languages you would hear would be Hausa, which is another lingua franca in West Africa, especially among Muslims, Wolof. And there are probably about 10 other languages that eventually people will need to teach. But I think that what's important is we are the major university in the Bronx. People around the world may have heard more about Columbia and NYU but that is not where Africans are living. They, they can't afford to live in Manhattan. They're living in the Bronx, and we are the one major research university in the Bronx. It is absolutely in Fordham's interest to claim this mission uh, to the African people of the Bronx to work with them, learn about their culture, use this to enlighten our students, and use this to empower this community, which is remaking the Bronx and the city. And speaking of other universities, have you heard of, I know Fordham is the only university in New York that's going to be teaching Chui, but are there other universities 
oh my nationwide they're going to be teaching well, this language? There are, or there, West African languages Well, there are some universities which have whole departments of African languages. The African studies are a major focus of a number of major research universities. However, none of them are located in the Bronx, which is where the Africans are. So we have this great opportunity, and it's my job to sort of prod the administration to help take advantage of this opportunity. I'm pretty good at prodding people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, back to the festival. <laughs> On the 21st of uh, March, that's a Sunday, we'll have a, a church service at a local uh, African-Caribbean uh, church. Uh, here in the bronze on 181st. Is there a national religion for Ghana? No, no, no. This is uh, just a Christian church. and uh, So we will have uh, all the ethnic representations in African ethnic representations in the New York area are going to come to the campus. And uh, there will be a lot of drumming, there will be a lot of dancing, there will be a lot of African food. And oh, speaking of that, did either of you uh, read the New York Times article that was praising a newly opened yeah. uh, <laughs> restaurant? I have experience with this restaurant. Have because, you? Uh, we were driving back from an event in the South Bronx, and what's the name of it? Papaya. Papaya. Now this is there's this is the new papaya. There's an the original papaya, <laughs> which is a little funkier, is on 167th Street. And this one, so I said to Dr. Hayford, could you go in and get me some a nice snack from this restaurant? So he came out with some goat kebabs. And they were delicious, but they just about burned a hole in my throat. <laughs> and I didn't have water, so it was delicious. but uh, Spicy. Yeah, and when, when we had a little event where um, Kojo prepared some food, he had a black pepper sauce that you could add on to what was already fairly spicy. And Hayford just covered everything in the, in the black peppers. And it was very, so. Um, so you're saying you like this place. I like this place. But just be warned. Just be, be, bring a lot of water. <laughs> Mr. Alba, have you ever been? Yeah, I, that's why I eat most of the time. Like, uh, most of the time I'm, I'm around there. If I'm not even eating, I just go hang out. So, Mr. Alba, how would you say goodbye in Chui? Normally we say goodbye. <laughs> we just say goodbye. There's just, no tree word for goodbye. Well, it's or see you later. It, 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 we, no, we normally don't say that. We say bye. You just say bye. Yeah, we just <laughs> say bye. The most popular thing is we welcome people. That one you hear in Ghana, Aquaba. 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 It's more common in the culture that when you go to Ghana, when you land at the Kutuka International Airport, you will see a big sign says Aquaba. Mm. So we. More or less welcome than. To but say then when bye. you're leaving, you just see bye. Because you know, maybe we don't want you to leave. <laughs> <laughs> My thanks to Professor Mark Nason, who chairs Fordham's Department of African and African American Studies, and Kojo Ampa, the founder and leader of the African Cultural Exchange Student Group at Fordham. Well, well, well. Oh, well. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. After a thumbs up from the New York Times and hearing Kojo Appa and Professor Nason sing the praises of Guyan food in New York City, I decided to take the D train to McClellan Street in the Bronx and walk a few blocks until I reached the first of two Ghanaian restaurants named Papaye. Hi. Hi. Kind of got lost. How are you? I've been waiting for the past 20 minutes. Have you really? Yeah, oh, I apologize. No, no, no. no. You it took me a minute to find this place. <laughs>
Mr. Ample was gracious enough to meet me at the original Papaye to help me navigate Ghanaian cuisine. Entering the restaurant, I noticed it could comfortably seat possibly 50 people, but today only a few regulars are scattered among the turquoise tables that are evenly lined in a row. Two older men carrying two plates each to a corner table nod as they pass three 20-somethings waiting patiently at the counter, ready to give their order. No one but me looks up at the giant white menu board on the wall that has numbered pictures of various stews, soups, and meats. Mr. Ampel points to the dishes served with a white doughy ball called fufu, a food staple in Ghanaian cooking. Okay, that's a fufu and lye soup, and they have fufu with pino soup, fufu with palm nut soup. Kojo Ampa explains that fufu is a thick paste made from plantains, which look like overripe bananas, and cassava, a tropical shrub. But today, he bows out of eating the dough-like balls and opts for another papaya specialty. What you order? This is a banku and fish. What is it called? Banku. I follow Mr. Ampa and his plate of banku and fish past a young mother holding her chubby baby boy while speaking in Twi on her cell phone. As we take our seats near a window, he explains that banku, which looks just like fufu to me, is a corn and water mix that's soaked for days and then blended into a ball. No, you, 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 you just pick a bit of it with your fingers. You don't eat with no spoon or no cutlery. You just pick with your fingers. And, you know, just to let you know, you don't want to use your left hand. It's a taboo. Oh, really? Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's, you know, you don't do that. It's, you know, it's, oh. It doesn't have a place in their culture. Like, it's bad. Okay, so you, hang so you use your right hand. You, you, you take a bit of it, you know, uh, play with it with your fingers, and you dip it in the sauce and you eat it. After all the food dipping, finger rolling, and lip smacking, Mr. Ampa finishes his meal and finishes the lesson of how to eat and enjoy Ghanaian food. This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. Next week, Mary Wilson will be your host. Stay with us, George Bodarki and Cityscaper next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.